Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Tembam Liswa, Member of Parliament for Norton and an Entrepreneur. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, like, and share. Tembam Liswa, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Yes, and uh, before I proceed on a point of order, Mr. Speaker, sir, my name is Temba Peter Mliswa. Temba meaning trust, because I'm the first boy in the family, and Peter the rock in the Bible. Muyera Shumba, on the paternal side of my grandmother, and on the maternal side, Moyo, in this circle, Nyati Shonga Muzari, you're my Mzuguru, eh? Yes, indeed. And and Peter, um, I discovered, is your dad and was uh, an ex-combatant. Talk to me about your dad, Peter. My father left this country, born in Shurugui. Uh, grandfather was a village head and went to the same school as Tongogara, Gamwa area, and uh, worked a lot with Zapu. In fact, from what most of the ex-combatants tell me, especially the late S.K. Moyo and the current uh, ambassador, Mtiniri, was that he was well-liked and favored by the late Joshua Nkomo. And after the struggle, he decided not to be involved in politics. He then worked at uh, Zimoko then, which was owned by, um, by Tiny Rollins. Lonro in mm. those days. Mm. So he preferred to do that. He was very active in terms of supporting a lot. Not only that, but funny enough, he also used to accommodate uh, Robson Manyika because Robson Manyika's eldest brother, uh, uh, the thing late James Manyika, who's the father to James, was married to my mother's, my father's sister. Right. Yeah, Tete Margaret. So he did accommodate them as well. So it was a family which was exposed to a number of uh, liberators of this country. And Zambia was very kind to Zipra, as you know, to Zapu. They had a strong relationship. And as a result, we were all born there. We only came back to this country after inde independence. Mm. The, 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 the place that you occupy, Temba, is, is an interesting one. Um, independent, um, not member of ZANU-PF, you're kicked out of ZANU-PF and, and so forth. Talk to me about that space before we, we discuss uh, your living ZANU-PF. What is it like being in that space, being not belonging to the opposition per se, not belonging to ZANU-PF? Talk to me about that space. My major agenda for going into politics for, was for our generation to be represented. I sat down with my friends who I grew up with and said, I'd like to go into politics. And they were against it. They said, you can't, it's dirty. There's fighting, there's violence. And I said, it's not about that. It's about us as a generation taking a position, being in the corridors of power. And that's the only way we can build the country. They said, good luck if you're going to make it. And I did uh, get into 
into proper politics myself because from a generational point of view, I saw a gap. Mm. And what also prompted me to make that decision is that your generation and many others did not want to be involved in politics. And then I must be very clear. Yeah. And you actually let us down. Your generation let us down because you're supposed to pass the button stick to us. But we never saw it coming. We're busy waiting for it. <laughs> but it didn't come. And I said, no, we need to go and grab it ourselves. We need to be part of this and pass it to another generation, which I believe is critical for any, for any, for any nation to grow because a certain generation has a certain understanding of things. And things evolve, there's change. You know, there's the digitalization happening. ICT world. So how do you fit into the global village when you have a generation which was never exposed to that? So it was about also speaking to the truth, being honest and being able to, 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 to represent people. ZANU-PF ideology remains critical for any Zimbabwean. But at the same time, you know, you cannot also go against your ideology. I was involved in sport, as you know, and I was well supported by the government in making sure that the white-dominated sports, cricket and rugby, would go back to the whites. And that government was very supportive. And Go very, back to the black people. Yes, right? it was yeah. pro-black. Yeah. Because the whole idea is that how then do we get the blacks to be part of this minority sport? So in a way, I took a decision to have knowledge, so that I could impart it onto the people in the high density areas. I did not see a white man being able to go there. One, it would be difficult. They would be misunderstood. Two, they would have difficulties even pronouncing the names mm. of the people, which ultimately doesn't make somebody feel well. So I decided to cover that. And uh, from a sporting perspective, we went on to do that. So sport, in a way, drove me to the person I am in that it builds your character at the end of the day. Rugby is one character-building sport after tackling each other so hard. Mm. It is the only sport where you see true gentlemen who drink together, eat together, and there is no bitterness. Mm. You know, I always say soccer players have a lot to learn from things rugby players. I see them trying to fight. But uh, rugby players who have the muscle, who have everything, do not fight. They respect each other. In this how, how is that sport translated into politics into where you are right now? Because I see you, uh, you know, throwing uh, stones, not stones per se. I see you arguing, debating with uh, the, the people in Nelson Chamisa's party. I see you debating with uh, uh, people in, in, in ZANU-PF. How is that space politically? How do you survive in that space when you don't belong to the big two homes? You know... I was expelled from ZANU-PF and uh, regrettably for, for, for misinformation to the, to the president then. When we were called uh, Gagama Stocks, we were a cabal which was being led by uh, uh, Comrade Joyce Mujuru and many other senior members. And I remember nine chairpersons were expelled out of 10 and uh, through lies. And I remember going to my uncle did Masam Tasa saying, were you part of the meeting and were expelled? And he said, yes. And I said, but why did you allow it to happen? Because you know it's not true. Could you not all sit down? Was he not expelled? Before he was expelled. Before he was expelled. Yes. And I said, but could you not sit down and talk about it? And how did you allow Rugare Gumbo, Darere Chimeng, to really be expelled and to leave the party? And you are comrades, you are together. Could you not stand up and defend? He told me he was shocked. It's the first time he was in shock. He didn't see it happening. 
Nerezizauti kept quiet. He only remembers Ugare Gumbo walking past him, leaving the, the thing for the political meeting, shaking his hand and saying, Ndaenda uh, Nyati, you know, on his way out from the political and said, but why could you not? And I then realized, you know, we did not have people who were prepared to save this country by being honest. And then I was expelled. I stood in Urungo West, which was a, a violent election. I didn't want to campaign because people were being beaten up and there was violence. The Zimbabwe Human Rights Commission reported on it and said they'd never seen such violence. There are recommendations which they came up with. Then I was chairman of Marsh West uh, Province myself and stood in Norton. In Norton, the war veterans themselves were supportive of me. because You were an independent. Yes, I was an independent. Um, I got in, um, won the, uh, the, the thing constituents in Norton and as independent. And uh, I actually said it was a blessing in disguise because I could then really be who I am and talk to the truth and put national interest first. And that's where I think it's the most advent uh, advanced way of, of dealing with issues is to talk about what is happening to inform people and to stand for what is good for the country. You now totally uh, 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 separate yourself from party politics, which people believe mm. is more important than national politics. I've always said to my colleagues, the country is first. The political party is not first. The country is first. Then the, the do, do you think people get that? The country first, the political party second. Do you think Zimbabweans get that beat? In the opposition, in the ruling party. No, they 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 don't. Sadly, forty three years after independence, we have an electorate which does not understand politics, which wants to to stay away from politics. Business wants to stay away from politics, but decisions that politicians make have a bearing on you. I've always said to my colleagues in the private sector, if it's agriculture, if it's engineering. How many candidates have you sponsored who will do what you do, who advance you from an intellectual point of view, from an understanding of issues? They, just, they don't well, say what, what, what response do they give you? I mean, that's an important question to, to business. They are, still, they are still, you know, in this era of, 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 of being intimidated, they're scared. And, uh, and, uh, and, and they don't want to talk about it. Zimbabwean business is yeah. scared about politics. And not only that, they are so dishonest that while they don't want to be open about it, they still give money to the political parties quietly. You don't have to give money to the political parties quietly. Both the ruling party and the opposition. Yes. They know that uh, the government of the day will give them business. And if they're seen to be talking to the opposition, there is a problem, which is something which I think is sad. What do you think is the effect of that on our governance system? The, the timidity of the private sector to stand up to principles and values. I mean, I'll take you to South Africa. South Africa changed because Anglo-American decided that they would talk to the ANC, yes. uh, even during, during apartheid. So the business community has a big role to play. In, 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 the, in the governance and in our democracy. But th what you're saying is that that's not what's happening in Zimbabwe. No. The business in Zimbabwe is full of hypocrites. They've not helped move this country forward economically. You cannot ignore 
politics. You've got to be able to be talking to, pol to politicians. Like you said, I know in South Africa, the big companies who have a position of a vice president, but that vice president's job is to interact with government, with the politicians, because it's critical. They actually have that office mm. of a vice president who's responsible for that. But we don't have that. But the decisions that are made by politicians, the laws which are passed in parliament affect them. So the question is that, how did you contribute to this? And why then stay away and have a situation where your company closes down? to the effect of the ordinary person who suffers. What if they push back and say, no, but if we uh, support, uh, you know, if, if, if rather we are scared that we will lose government business, government contracts? For me, uh, if it's about principles, morals and values, so be it. Why should you be in a country and be in business mm -hmm. to, uh, at the mercy of a government? You must be in business because the government sees your role in building it. The corporates themselves must be able to be very clear with government that if there are certain laws that you're passing and are not conducive for a business to thrive, we will certainly close. And I think during the Mugabe time, business had gotten to that stage. In the Second Republic, I expect the Second Republic to be more accommodating, but it seems the Second Republic is on, on a cold war, which is even more dangerous. With the private sector. Ultimately, human rights, private sector, and all that. Yet, they must be embracing and saying, this is the Second Republic, this is what will happen. Do what you have to do, promote your business. Why do you think um, Nangago's government is, uh, is on this cold war, as you say? Because they came up with the mantra of Zimbabwe's open for business. They came up with a mantra that would be inclusive, and they've not been able to do that. And they've betrayed the people of this country. 17 November, 2017, everybody, everybody, everyone, world over, supported the change which would see Zimbabwe being a better nation and in anticipation. Is the anticipation what it is now? No. You've got people who have been persecuted for no reason. The law is the law. I, I accept in the doctrine of the separation of power. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to interfere in the issue of job scholar. But he's a lawyer. He's a member of parliament. He's a friend of the court. If at all he's likely to violate certain bail conditions, then that's different. But be able to put stringent bail condition. He's a father. He's, he's a, a human family. being. He's Zimbabwean. What, what crime has he committed? Armed robbers, murderers are given bail. Are given bail. Mm. Tembo, you know, um, we, we, we're going to take a break and I'm going to come back because you're saying murderers are given, are given bail. We just witnessed uh, the Al Jazeera gold mafia thing. I mean, and these people are walking the streets. But anyway, we'll take a break. We'll be back. Don't go away. When we come back, I'm going to ask uh, Temba Mliswa his views uh, on uh, the gold mafia uh, expose. The CIO itself has become a national security threat because it cannot even protect the president.
Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Temba Mlisa, Member of Parliament for Norton and a Businessman. Uh, Temba, before we, we, we broke, you were talking about the sad issue of, um, uh, of Job Sikala, who is languishing in, in prison, which is uh, pretty regrettable. But one, we've just had Al Jazeera release four episodes of uh, what has been called uh, the Gold Mafia. What has surprised you the most from what has been exposed by Al Jazeera? What shook you the most? What shook me the most is, first of all, the timing. Okay. We are going towards elections, and, um, and, um, and uh, the expose more or less targets the first family more than anything else. What uh, shook me the most was where is the Central Intelligence Organization, if they are there to protect uh, 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 the first family's um, uh, uh, interest from a national security perspective. From a national security perspective, it has exposed a lot. It has also uh, shocked me in how some of the individuals um, were uh, accommodated in all this, how they were given this trust to be able to do whatever they wanted to do, cut blanche. It was also uh, uh, interesting that the government itself did not inform the people of ways which they were coming up with to bust sanctions. Because sanctions, they talk about them every day. So which ways were they coming up with if it was through our minerals? It was supposed to be very clear, especially if it's our resources which are supposed to be accountable. I think it is important that they say, this is the route we've taken. We shall be taking our goal to Dubai and it should be accounted for at the end of the day. You also had an issue of an ex expose of, 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 the, of the first family uh, uh, towards elections, you know, and the first one, second one, and you had people trying to comment, even the presidential spokesperson, George Aramba, for the first time, his comments did not even yield any following. Uh, the uh, permanent secretary, uh, uh, Mangwana, again, did not at all. They actually uh, exposed government that it was in a panic mode. Mm. It was in a panic mode. Mm. So why do you panic? Mm. Why would government issue a ministerial statement through the minister of information on this? The same I would ask, if you were doing this above board, why equally did you not wish or issue a statement before? Mm. You see, so it's reactionary. Mm. No. Tell me, but, uh, my view has been that we should have seen by now the president, because this is a serious matter, stand up and make a statement. What's, what's, your, view? what's your pushback on, on, on that? I mean, it, it, the country is, has been exposed. We've just been taken off the gray list, and this risks us being put back to the, uh, on, the, on the gray list. And I would have thought that the president, as the chief executive, would have stood up and made a statement Am I asking for too much? No, the, the bug stops with the president. He's the CEO of the country. He's the number one citizen. And it's not about dealing with uh, Comrade Emerson Dumbledore Nangagwa. We are dealing with the president of the republic, who in the, his office is of the nation. 
and he needs to respond to that. So I want to separate yeah. the persona and the office he sure, holds. Sure. So the office he holds is about accountability. It's about being the number one citizen. It's about informing yeah. people and responding to all these issues. The same thing I've said in parliament, that why have we not invited the president to parliament? And nobody wants to do it because he has to answer to a lot of things, the non-performance of his ministers, the corruption which is happening, all this gold. And he's capable of doing it. He's been a speaker before. And being a speaker, everybody will tell you he was upright, was independent, he was fair. So it's also the people around you who are they not able to give you the right advice. At a time like this, he was supposed to be the first person to speak and say, I have listened to this, and as a result, I'm going to appoint an inquiry. You, but you're, you're, you're right, Temba. The buck stops with the president, the office. The people that are around him, if they don't perform, because the buck stops with him, you should have fired uh, George Charamba. You should have fired Nick Mangwana because they haven't done him any service at all. What's your pushback on that? You know, I've always said that. And um, unfortunately, when you say the truth in this country, the people believe that you have insulted. The truth of the matter is that by not acting, you suffer collateral damage. Yeah. That's the price. Yeah. The thinking and the mindset of the people on the ground who vote is totally different from the people who are close to you, who are benefiting through patronage, yeah. through bootlicking. And because of that, they be, there comes a disconnect with ordinary people on the ground. What people in Mzarabani, in Cholocho, are thinking is, do we, if I'm sick, will I be well treated at the, at the, at the clinical hospital? Are the children going to good schools? Um, uh, are the roads good? Uh, uh, do we have our pensions? Uh, do they have value or they don't have value? And then they connect and say, we are not able. I saw a tweet uh, by Comrade Obedinpov said, 15% of the people that uh, 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 will follow this uh, are on social media, the rest are not. Mm. But he was wrong. <laughs> He's my, I call him Malume as well. So Malume Obed, you were wrong. Co co corruption is systematic. It gets to the right person. Mm. It is the effects of this mm. that he must be talking about, yeah. not the announcement. The effects are that there's corruption. There's, there's the money that people are paid. There's no disposable income to talk mm. about. So you come from the village, uh, you see your grandmother, you leave them for uh, money to buy cooking oil. That's the weekend. On a Monday, they go to the shops, that cooking oil's price has gone up mm. due to inflation. So what do they say? Mm. What do they say? Mm. They say? They say, it's the president. Mm. So I'm trying to give a simple issue. It's the president yeah. who's making us suffer. Yeah. It's the only PF which is making us suffer. So how then do you deal with that? So you cannot then say 15% on social media, the rest are not. But corruption is affecting all of, all them. of us through, mm. through this mm, illicit financial flows which are there. But going back to the issue is, I looked at it and said, these guys were arrested, those are scapegoats. They, they, they did absolutely nothing which warrants them to be arrested. You went and froze their accounts, okay? You and Macmillan. <laughs> the question is this. 
What wrong did he do? Mm-hmm. If he was doing things above board. Simon Radland, what wrong did he do? If he was doing things above board. Because no one, the police or anybody, has not arrested them. If they had the right documentation from the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, and they were flying gold above board with Emirates coming back with cash, and it's well documented, what wrong have they done? I've said most of these people saw an opportunity. As business people, the capitalists, and they seized on the opportunity. The question is leadership. The question is leadership. These have done nothing wrong. They are making their money. Their duty is to make money. <laughs> and any opportunity, they will seize on it. They're exonerated. Leadership. Why did you then decide to have this happening? And why did you allow it to happen? In fact, have it allow it to happen. Again, there's the question. And I'll not be racist. Simon Radland was born in this country, Zimbabwe, and he's white. He, he must enjoy the country too. So is you and Macmillan. The number one citizen, the president, has got to respond to these issues. And for me, it's the advice. It's either he takes it or he doesn't. And advice does not have to go through only one to one. I'm a legislator. Mm. And as a legislator, I'm saying to myself, may the president respond to this. When George Arambe is responding as presidential spokesperson, he's not even doing a good job of it. So then can we say, is that the president's response? Because we, we don't know. We don't know. Tell me, you, you, you raise an issue around the timing of the expose. What, what do you think uh, explains the timing of the expose so close to the elections? You know that I was a chairperson for the Mines and Energy Committee, Portfolio Committee. I chaired the inquiry on the 15 billion diamond. diamond. Up to now, there has not been a video. We heard of planes leaving Marangi in and out. But how come there was no expose of this? And now there's this expose in terms of the president. The question is that CIO itself has become a national security threat because it cannot even protect the president. This is the issue mm -hmm. with the way the former late president used to operate. He had institutions for him, not against him. For him, not against him. He was strong because of the institutions. At that age, he had no energy to do anything. But the president has done a lot. He's been there. But there's this expose which is happening. He is a former minister of state security, a renowned uh, uh, a person in that. Is this how airport, that's an issue which, you know, has got to be protected. But it wasn't protected. And, and it was not protected. Heads must roll. The DG must go. The deputy, the directors must go. No wonder why at the end of the day. Will they go? I'm saying if I was president. I would immediately do that. That's the reason why the army remains relevant to this country. And I'll tell you why. Mm. Because certain institutions are failing. It becomes the last line of defense. Mm. It becomes the last line of defense. But it shouldn't be tender. It shouldn't be, but at the same time, they have to do it according to the constitution, according to ensuring that there's law and order. Section 214 of the constitution is very clear that if the police or any 
state institutions security-wise is not capable. They can bring in the army. In a way, we have militarized this country mm. on our own. We have invited them mm. to the party. We have and, invited and, them and to the party. And we have weakened the police force. If there is one thing that President Nangawa has done, please push me, push back as much as possible, is crippling our constitution and crippling the police force. Is that a fair uh, statement to make? You see, I will certainly agree with you in terms of these institutions being weak. And these institutions being weak clearly talk about the, the, the powers the president has in terms of appointing the Commissioner General of Police, the Director General of um, CIO, CDF, Commander Defense, uh, National Army, Zimbabwe National Army, uh, Air Marshal, um, uh, of the, who was the commander of the, of the, of the, of the Air Force. Constitutionalism is critical. And uh, they're not there for the country. I have learned one thing during this time, that I, as a Zimbabwean, have learned that there are leaders who just want to be there to make money. And there are leaders who want to build the country. And the current leadership we have is about themselves. Wow. It's not about the people. Wow. And I've sadly made that decision. Wow. I've sadly made that decision in going for elections, people must ask themselves two questions. Is this leader about himself, from the councillor to the MP, to the senator, to the president, or it's about offering leadership mm. and closing the gaps so that Zimbabwe can be the force it wants to be? You, you said, Temba, that um, as we go into the elections, it's important that Zimbabweans do a mind reset. Can you unpack that for us? What, 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 did you, what did you mean by that? 43 years under, uh, of independence, we are still in the same position, even worse. We are worse, Tender. We are worse. Let's be honest. In fact, from what you hear, from what we saw about what Rhodesia did, you seem to say probably Rhodesia was better because you were with an oppressed... Uh, you knew you were oppressed yes. by white people. I've never had problems with the white man who says, I don't like a black person. I know it. It does not affect me. Okay. But one who pretends, you see. And look at where we are now from a political point of view. That's why you saw me in parliament talking about a referendum. A referendum. Why have I pushed for a referendum? Can we hear from the people what they think of this country now? Should we continue with elections? Or should we come up with leadership that will then be able to usher a way forward? This country, no political party at this point in time is able to address the concerns of the people. It has to be Team Zimbabwe. There's got to be a referendum. After, after elections, there's still controversy. Mm. Before elections, there's, there's controversy. controversy. Why can't we find ourselves? So it, it, that's a very important point. I mean, and it's a point upon which I agree with you because I have a feeling that elections are not going to solve our problems. That after the, the, elect, after the voting in, in this, this year, after the elections, we're going to be back at fighting with each other, economic chaos um, and all that kind of stuff. But what we need is sitting around the table, all of us, 
and find each other in terms of what kind of a country do we want to create. I want to say, Temba, and I want you to push back as much as possible, that we're going into the election for ZANU-PF to protect its criminal state. With uh, Nelson Chamisa wanting to grab this thing, to basically do the same thing, Where, how does that move us forward? I totally agree with you. In fact, I, I'd written something, and I wish I had my diary here, which said that there is no political party that will deal with the corruption. There's no political party that will deal with the cartels which are there. Hmm. Okay, it has, it's now a value chain. Yeah. The same way you run a business. There's, they, there is absolutely no one who will do that. And what is important is for us to find ourselves. And in finding ourselves, I've equally questioned the men of God, the churches. And I've said, when you see the president, what do you say to him? as man of God, because you carry the message for the people. They carry the message for God and they say it so well, but they're not able to carry the message for the people. To, 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 to the powers that be. Are you, are you, are you with me? I'm with you. And, 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 and why not have a conversation with the church leaders and say, this is what we think is the way forward. Anybody who loves this country cannot ignore a good modus operandi put together for the good of the country. If there's anything, mm. you'll be a hero. Mm. You'll be a hero. Temba, we'll take a break there. Wow. Um, please don't go away. When we come back, I'm going to ask Temba why we are not doing exactly that. Sit around the table. Um, say an election is not going to resolve our problems. Let's find each other. Five million went missing. And you're telling me that somebody has no case. And this was supposed to be the money to pay the cotton farmers who are poor. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent, and the Weekly Digest for a full month. Well, you can. And all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Welcome back to our conversation with Temba Mlisa, member of parliament for Norton and an entrepreneur. So Temba, when we, we broke you, when we took that break, you, you, you were on an issue that I think is very important. We've had Ibo Mandaza and Tony Rila talking about we need to have a pause and have a transitional authority where we should allow Zimbabweans to find each other. We've had the churches coming up and saying, we need a Sabbath, Sabbath year, where we again engage in conversations, everybody involved, to decide where we want to take this nation. And you're coming up and you're saying, we need a referendum. It, it appears to me it's almost the same idea, but using different, uh, different kind of, of terminology. But they, I think there's a realization that there is no single political party that's going to take us out of this place, that we need to find each other and work with each other. Why is it that ZANU-PF does not want to embrace that idea? 
why is it that the opposition, the main opposition led by Nelson Chamisa, does not want to embrace that idea? Um, the transitional uh, authority. authority, and this is why I'm a legislator, is not constitutional. Okay. The referendum means. Okay. Yeah. How do you fit it in? Okay. You see, it's thinking. But through a referendum, then a transitional authority can come in because the people would have spoken. Yeah. The referendum is where a country, as president, I see all these issues before me being discussed about us working together. I'm not the best person to judge. My power is with you, the people. Therefore, let's go for a referendum. Yeah. But the, the big idea, it seems like you are agreed, that the big idea is let's have the referendum then let's find each other as, and then decide which way we're going to go as a country. Isn't that the big idea? To me, that's the whole point. And right. I think once that is done, uh, the ruling party does not have to be worried. The opposition uh, political parties don't have to be worried because they're there because of the people. They must worry and carry out the mandate that they've been given by the people. Whether we say uh, it's for 10 years, and uh, the first five years, the thing leadership will come from uh, a, a, a ZANU PF person. Then we change over, deputized, and so forth. What is critical and what is good about the transitional authority, or maybe the government of national unity yeah. at the time, was there checks and balances? You see, there are checks and balances automatically. No one can do as they please, and that's what we need to because we need to protect our resources. And with the way things are going, there shall be no resources. And let me tell you something. I speak to a lot of young people, and they say, don't worry. When our time comes, we're going to nationalize every asset which we think is of value to the country. Yeah. And leaders must speak on that. The business community out there must also understand that. That's why the 5149 legislation which was in place was critical. And you could improve on it. Because first of all, the people with the resources must have the bigger uh, piece of the cake. You had 10% to the community, 10% to the workers, 31% to the sovereign wealth fund. What's the point of having a sovereign wealth fund without money? Where are they going to get the money from? The point of suspending that or uh, totally uh, removing that law was there wasn't enough for indirect investments. But Zimplatz, Unki, uh, uh, Mimosa, the big mining houses, how mine, had already started implementing that. And with time, you could see how far have you gone. Whether the law changes to now give them more shares is a different thing altogether. But that was a starting point. So there is no law, while Section 13, Subsection 4 of the Constitution is clear about empowering local commu communities, there is no law like the Indigenization Act, which then supports that. So Ultimately, resources are going. Mm. And what is going to be left? That's why I've said that the younger generation is saying that's okay. We'll also come up with a law to nationalize and say, okay, this asset we're paying you $100. We'll pay you bit by bit. And that's not a safe environment. No, it isn't. Because they're, they're not going to do anything. And it is important that government understands that, that when they do things which are not well-meaning and which are not for the people, the people coming in will reverse that so that it benefits the people. Every business initiative must benefit the people and the benefits must be seen on the ground, not at the top. 
the land cruisers we drive and all that, you only enjoy the road because you have a new land cruiser, the road is new. But 70% of the people in this country don't own cars. 80%. If, yeah, if they, don't, mm. they don't own cars. Mm. So how do they appreciate the good roads? So the president, being a Democrat, I say so because he's a lawyer, who was part of the first republic, must at some point concede, and I say this concede, that's the mark of a leader. That's not to mean he is mm. weak. I've been with this journey for five years. I totally miscalculated. I totally misjudged a lot of things. I realized that we all need to work together to move this country forward. That's my prayer. Then he can do it. And it's true. This country was under one man for 37 years. I was part of the government. But I underestimated the damage. And it's only now that I'm in office. It's different. Me not in the driver's seat. But now I'm in the driver's seat. Fellow Zimbabweans, I suggest that we relook at moving forward. I would suspend elections for now and allow you, the people. The, the problem, Temba, with that is you, you've already said a very important thing, that you've come to a realization that they are in power to benefit themselves. So how can Nangago is in power to benefit himself and the people that are around him? allow the kind of thing that you are talking about. I, I think it's a, it's a non-starter on the basis of that. No, I, I, uh, I beg to differ with you mm. on that. That's what I've equally said, though I'm not South African, equally said about the Cyril Ramaphosa case in terms of the allegations that he had. Being a lawyer, being the person he is, it had been the right thing to step down. Though there's nothing written mm. that you must, but for the good of the country. Sure. I was the chairman of the Mines Committee. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was accused of bribing uh, Gerard Kukoda. Uh, I stood up in Parliament and said, being the chairperson, I think it's unfair or even inquiry. I'll step down. Mm -hmm. That's best practice. Yeah. Not many people are like that. Yeah. So if there was anything else which I'd done, which was not untoward, people remember that. Mm. He stood up. He stood down, yeah? Yeah. You know, and decided to stand down for the interest of the people. So no matter what you have done, people are people. They don't forget. They'll remember that. No, 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 no. If you feel he must go to jail, but he owned up, he stepped down. There is empathy. There's sympathy. There's love. And that's the great thing. That's why our leaders take advantage of us. Because of who we are. We are yeah. not vindictive. Talk, talk, talk to me now, Temba, about you, you've been in the parliamentary committees. You've chaired a number of them. Is this an effective way of uh, check and balances? My submission to you would be to say that I, I think the parliamentary committees don't have the power to hold the executive to account. Ministers don't respect the parliamentary committees. What's your pushback? I totally agree with you. Section 107 of the Constitution is very clear that the uh, vice president's ministers uh, will all be answerable to parliament. to parliament. On Wednesday, some don't even come. This is question time. But they will be at cabinet. They like going to cabinet because this is where they get their dirty deals endorsed. That's money. After that, they are not interested. If you then in cabinet and there's a deal that has been signed and uh, has, been, um, has been endorsed, why don't you come and talk about it in no. Parliament? That's your chance, because no. you report to the nation. 
So they've not been able to do that. Secondly, the issue is on whose expense? It's taxpayers' money. It's taxpayers' money. Those committees are as good as useless unless you have somebody who, when I chaired, uh, I was very clear what I needed to achieve. Um, even when I was in ZANU-PF, they would tell you, even the primary secondary education committee, I chaired it. When I chaired as an independent, there was a difference because you are not whipped. Section 121K of the constitution is a problem. And this, the people of Zimbabwe must take responsibility mm. for some of this. In fact, maybe for the first time say, some of this mess we are in is the electorate. You choose the very same people to come back. And you then ask us in parliament, we are doing nothing. The way these people dropped by God in parliament, or they were elected by you. <laughs> this election is an election that you have to now revisit the voting pattern you have done. What do you want? Is it about the party? Is it about leadership? The, the, caliber, the, the caliber of parliamentarians and the caliber of councillors goes down to the electorate. They vote for those people, isn't it? In fact, to put it better, the parliamentarians that you see today making noise, sleeping, are a true reflection of the electorate. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's powerful. Let, let's go to a, a place where land reform, you have benefited from land reform. You got a, you got a farm. Um, but my thing that I want to posit to you is the people that have, be have benefited from land reform are the people that are politically connected. And it's a process that is still on, ongoing. When are we going to go, get to a point whereby we've, we've, we draw the line in the sand and say, all the land, rather, the reform has been done. Now let's work the farms. Um, before I respond to that, let me just come to something quickly. You saw in terms of corruption, you spoke about the portfolio yeah. committees. Uh, Honorable Justice Wajir Jena had this court court issue. And in terms of the code of conduct, he was not supposed to chair. He still continued chairing. <laughs> he lost in the primary election. And this would have been an opportunity for Zanipev to say, thank God, one. Bye-bye. But they still gave him another chance. The Politburo sat down. I mean, don't you feel for the people? I do, but why, Temba? Why is that being done, Temba? That is the reason why they say it's a cartel. It's a cartel of the politicians. And he was very clear that if at all this continues, I'll expose certain people who I was working with. Five million went missing. And you're telling me that somebody has no case. And this was supposed to be the money to pay the cotton farmers who are poor. You go and give them hampers and you still want to legitimize that person to still be a legislator. It talks that the whole narrative of zero tolerance on corruption is not true. But it goes up. That's what it means. That is, listen, <laughs> it goes right up to the top. This is what the president must understand, that all these things end up on his desk. All these issues end up on his desk. No amount of propaganda will exonerate him. Because if it mattered to the president, the president would have said, uh, whatever his name is, you, you, the, the electorate has thrown you out, you're, you're out. 
or even before then, measures should have done to make sure that this man does not stand. But that is not happening. <laughs> that says to the public timber push, push back as much as you, that this man is protection. Or he knows that uh, his, his cartel goes up right to the top. It goes without question. So how do you instill confidence in the people? How do you instill confidence in the people? This is the time they, the ruling party have always said, people always say you comment about ZANU-PF. And I said, if you're a politician, if you're a Zimbabwean, that's the ruling party. That's the governing party. Whatever they do has an effect. Even in their primary elections, whatever they do, there's an effect on you. So how can you not keep your eye there unless you are somewhere else? So they must lead by example. And this was an opportunity for them. Those who are corrupt are no longer part of the elections because we want to send a message. Important point, Temba, but let's go to, to the land issue that I asked you. Thank you for raising that. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I benefited um, from the land reform, 805 hectares, and uh, it remains a noble uh, uh, agenda for the people because you were trying to deal with issues of economic emancipation. Uh, uh, people must be empowered. Sure. And um, this is where the late former president, whether you like him or not, always saw ahead. He always told you land is everything. <laughs> it's only now that people start to appreciate. He would defend the land because he knew the minerals were there and all that. The land reform was for everyone. And I'll tell you why. Uh, our people are too polarized. And they believe that Whatever is done by government is for ZANU-PF. Yet they forget that the ruling party, be it any party, has an obligation to come up with programs which empower people. Programs which empower people nationally. And um, Welshman, professor, has a farm. He was in the opposition. He's always been outspoken. But he set aside the politics and went for what was a benefit for him from a national agenda perspective, empowerment. And he went for that. So to me, same with constituents. My constituency, there were 5,000 stands, which uh, the late uh, uh, Honorable Kasukere, former minister and PC of Zambia, had given to the youth of Norton. And you know what I did? Mm. I went and printed 1,000 T-shirts under ZANU-PF. And I went and gave them to the youth. And I said, wear this, go to the meeting, be given land. The piece of land you get will not be in the name of ZANU-PF to be in your name. But isn't that, Timber, that, that's, that's interesting what you're saying. But the point I want to, to, to drive home is, why should I wear a ZANU-PF t-shirt to get land? Should I not get land because I'm a Zimbabwean? You see, it's a very pendant question that you bring up. And I think one of the issues is to be able to read the situation. Unfortunately, you have to read the situation. If You have to be a politician. <laughs> you have to read the, the situation at the end of the day. And I think in African politics, that's how it operates. In terms of other jurisdictions, Europe and America, that's a different thing altogether. But we have to adapt to what Africa provides in terms of that. And the truth of the matter is for as long as they believe you are in the opposition, they fear empowering you because you have a resource 
to fight. That's the thing, isn't it? You have a resource. Thank you. To you've, fight. you've answered me. Let me take you to a, a, another controversial aspect that relates to you. Um, you, Martin Mtasa, George Marere, spent some time in, in, in detention for having um, uh, defrauded uh, Paul Westwood. Where is that case now? I'm glad you bring that up. And it's been going on for quite a while. So the case is still alive? No. No. I went through the courts. That's the time when I was arrested for over 50 times. Paul Westwood was connected to the Commissioner General Chihuri. Hmm. Paul Westwood was connected to the PA, to the Commissioner Chihuri, coach back. I gave Amas called Banda, who was a shareholder 50-50 with, 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 um, with Westwood, with alone. Westwood, yeah. And my collateral was, was, um, was, um, was the shares. Unfortunately, my lawyer then was Gerald Mlochu, who did it. He's the one who did that agreement and the collateral with the shares. He failed to, to pay. I then, I then got into the company to have the shares. The company had nothing. Everything was done above board. In finding out the state of the company like anybody would do, hand over, take over, there was money which had been withdrawn by him alone. By Westwood? Yes, at Kingdom Bank. Yet what you needed were three signatories. And it was 20,000, I remember, and I think it was down to 1,000. And that led for him to be suspended for it to happen. He went to court. He went to court and we were cleared. He then went on to other courts. We were still cleared at the end of the day. And for me, that's really a dark side on me. Until one of the workers said, you've got to understand the work, the cars we're making here and the bulbers, a certain percentage went to Commissioner Chiburi and Chibag. So the moment you came in, they were not happy. So the court cleared us. and uh, I have, So you were acquitted? I was acquitted ages back. And he tried to go to court again. The same happened. Mm. So it's just unfortunate that it's not every white man who's wealthy. Our people believe that if a white man complains, he's been uh, prejudiced by a black man. But blacks are also prejudiced. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's, uh, that's behind you. Temba, you are young. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're, you're, I, was, I was looking at that. You're 52 years old. Do you have any presidential, presidential ambitions at all? You know, um, that's an interesting question that you're asking. And I've always said that anything is possible with God. Yeah, I, 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 I am a God-fearing person. I'm also aware of uh, 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 my role in terms of um, doing what I do, I do best. That decision, who, who is a, a journalist who doesn't want to become an editor? Mm. Who is a journalist, a, an editor, who doesn't want to own a publication? Mm. So every politician hey, would like to be president because why are you in it anyway? That's the bigger uh, part of it. So I would, any politician who tells you they don't want to be president, then they're not honest. So why are you in it? Why, if those decisions you're making at that level are not moving, why don't you want to be at the top and make sure that they move well? It's a dream for any politician. It's a dream for any teacher to be a headmaster or headmistress. So the same happens when the time comes and God's time is up. 
Who am I to say no? That I must be very clear. I cannot say I have no ambitions. No, I would love to be uh, uh, the, the president of this country one day. And in that mm. case, you leave it to the almighty. If Absolutely. I am doing, well, you know, you can only argue so much in parliament. You can only do so much mm. in parliament. And I think I've done uh, pretty well in trying to stand for the people. They understand who I am and all that. But like I've always said, you know, everything has a time. I supported, and you know very well, you were part of the supporting team of the Second Republic. And in so doing, we expected them to deliver. And but we were disappointed. You know, I know, uh, and, and, and I respect you for that. You're one of the few people who got up to express your disappointment. And I hope it was not seen, nothing else but uh, something which was sincere from your heart. Mm -hmm. Because you got in and a lot of stones were thrown at you. Oh. Are you with me? <laughs> and, um, and at the end of the day, you must be man enough. And you're one of the few people, I think, who's interested in this country in saying, but what is happening is not what uh, I expected. But that's not to say that you don't support the president. Mm. Okay, your expectations are different mm. and, uh, and, and you express them. And I think that's also the same. With but me. Man, not many people can do that. I mean, I, was, I got into PAC. I thought it would work. When it didn't work, I walked out. Afterwards, I did say that uh, I am walking out because I'm, I'm not happy. But not so many people, like you were saying right now, Timber, about the private sector. People don't have conviction for the things that they believe. You have answered a question which is very tough for a lot of people. Do you want to be president? Yes, I want to be president. What is wrong with us that we can't stand up and say the things we believe? Yeah, I think. Um... It's a culture of upbringing. My father was liberal. He was an honest man. And he taught us to be honest. My father would say to us, even if I don't do what you've told me, say it. And if I do it and I'm wrong, come back to me and say, but dad, remember, I told you, you say, this. Yeah. It has to do with upbringing. Yeah. It has to do, with, to do with upbringing and all that. And that is the reason why I've always had the respect for you in that you love this country and you've worked for it. Many, most of us worked for the president. We went to Sadak during the First Republic. No one could speak in parliament. No one could do anything. And then you see these people around you. You're like, but who are these people? What did they do? What did they do? Where were they? So I'm pained. Naturally, I'm pained because I sacrificed myself. I sacrificed wait, my life. Wait, did you expect to be minister? No, I didn't no. want to be minister. Mm. Even today, I don't want to be. What I expected was for this country to be better, mm. for this country to go in the direction mm. which is supposed to go. And even, I, I, are you, you, you've known President Mnangagwa. Are you disappointed the way things have turned out? You know, uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. I think the president uh, must always go back to 17 November 2017, all the time and say, why am I president today? Because the very same party kicked him out. And I don't understand that. The very same party kicked him out. The political members he's sitting around with kicked him out. That's why I have to say this. I will never trust those people. I saw them being part of kicking out Comedy Joyce Mjuru, Didmas Mutasa, 
Rugarigun. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're the worst leaders. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I don't know how they go home and sit down and tell a story to their grandchildren, if they have any. Because you can't believe them. So the president was kicked out by them. They, his back is with them. I will never be part of such a union ever. And God knows that. All of them were there. Mugabe, they celebrated. The people brought back ED. Tomorrow, tomorrow, where there's to be um, something happened to ED um, by uh, Chiwenga, for goodness sake, they would group, they would all be around cheering Chiwenga. Unfortunately, those are the kind of leaders that we have. Uh, now we have, oh, morals, principles are not there. Hypocrites, they attack, you know. Uh, 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 unfortunately, they attacked Comrade Joyce Mujuro. But when the, the, the general was around, they supported it. And you come up with this. I see the picture of uh, Comrade Joyce Mujuro being hugged by the president. And I say to myself, wow. And I see her being hugged by the first lady at Independence. But has anybody, and that's what I've said, if we are true about this country, the president himself must be able to say, I fought with certain comrades trying to be loyal to number one. And I had to. But now that I'm president, can you guys come back? Yeah. Unfortunately, that one happened. Timber, the, as we close, when you look at your life, football, cricket, politics, you have 18 children, eh? 19. 19 children. 20 if we confirm the DNA by Susan, but we, we are still at 19. Okay. When you look at that, um, is there, where do you look and say, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have done that, I got it wrong? Where do you have regrets as, which, which could help people out there as a human being? Where do, you, where do you think you got things wrong and you would want to correct those things? I think politically, and then I'll go socially. Yeah. But politically, the biggest mistake I made was to belong to a political party. I right. think they were necessary before independence. As you can see, they fought for the, after that, I think, you know, so I wouldn't because I, I then realized people were not sincere. I wrote a letter to the former president, Leighton Mugabe, when I was expelled. And uh, a comrade did my who was my uncle was a sector for administration. He says, don't write letters. I said, I'm going to write it. And he said, I'm hurt. I went and won a constituency which MDC had. Urungwe. Yeah, West. Because it belonged to MDC on Jambati at the time. For Zanu PF, I spent my money. But you then sat down and presided over a meeting that expelled me. And I say to him, the precedence that you've set will also haunt you one day. And I was speaking to Kasukwere the last time. He said, you know that Mugabe spoke to us about that. The Timber wrote me a letter. And I said, you've not done me a disservice, but you've done yourself a disservice. At the end of the day, what happened? The other issue is, from a social perspective, I think marriage is overrated. Marriage is overrated. Uh, do you really need to marry to, to really be happy? And, uh, and uh, do you need to marry to have children? And I think uh, that's one of the But issues. it's an important institution, Temba, no? It's an important institution, but who abides by them? 
Okay. Not many. Not many, unfortunately. So the women um, try to be sincere, try to be honest, but the man is not. Once you decide to marry, and because I respect it, I'm not married because I'll break the laws. Okay. So God knows that. I'm very, but the day Maluma, I, I decide to get married, uh, you must know mm. that's it. One woman and that's it. But mm. there's going to be a time for that because I've seen how children have been affected by divorce happening when you were children. So you, your 18 children, you, you stay with them oh, or yes. they stay with their parents, with their well, mothers? Right now I've got, I've got 11 of them at home. Okay. And uh, they are never exposed to any, any fights between the mother and the father. See, they are exposed to a good life where they know our father is single and I respect their space. They're able to talk to me. I give them time. And uh, Maluma, there's nothing great as having those, those kids. They're just a marvel. To me, it's like I've got three kids. Shinzo, Hairemi, Rene, Nyangadze. And uh, the, the mother... So you, you, at the them. moment, you'll never get married. You, you you're not married. You won't marry. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, um, I have 19 children. And at times I ask myself, will any woman be able to deal with this? Mm. And it's unfair of her to come in to the life. Do, do you regret taking your issues with Susan public? No, I don't. Um, um, I wanted to have a baby with Susan. We agreed on that. We went for testing and all that. And uh, once in a while, even as a driver, you do have an accident. But it's, it is considered a minor accident. You see, you do experience that and so forth. I, 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 I really thought uh, our relationship was on agreed terms. She had a, a, a child and um, decided to have two. You talk about these things about having children uh, uh, so that you know. It's not just a decision made or a mistake. No. I've got three of my children who are not mine. I can never mention them. They will never know. I went for DNAs. But are they part of the 19? Yes. Okay. So whatever I've given to all my children, they'll also get. Okay. Whatever education and all that. So mm. these experiences. Thank you for, for being candid, Mr. Yes. Guru. Thank you so much. Um, let's play a little game now uh, before we get to books. What is your favorite Zimbabwean meal? Mine is uh, sadza, mazondo, and cabbage. I mean, that's very important for me. And what's yours? My mother was peanut butter, rice with peanut mm. butter, spinach, mm. and the road runner. Oh. But I've now replaced that with oxtail. Mm. Good. And um, wine, beer, or juice? You know, I'm hardly a, a person who drinks, but uh, I will enjoy a glass or two of wine and um, just for the purpose of interacting. With people, you know, I was told something that if an Englishman offers you tea, you must never say no. If a, a, a Scotsman offers you whiskey, you must never say no. You just sip a little bit. You just sip a, for sign of respect. Mm. When you're in, when when you're at a at a party, Temba, are you the party animal or are you sitting at the corner 
to sip in quietly. No, no, I, I love, I wish you were playing. I'm a piano and I've uh, shown you some <laughs> moves. That's the reason why I go to with Blawayo. Right. I, I love, I love being in Blawayo. Uh, Blawayo, if you want to have fun, that's South Africa for you. They are free. Mm. They will dance. I love dancing. It's a way of relaxing. Music, feel this and so forth. So, I thought you were going to introduce this. Uh, I'm a piano and I've shown you a few moves. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your role model, Temba? Who is your role model? I, I know you have lots of respect for Robert Mugabe, even though you fell out for the late Robert Mugabe. But who is your role model right no, now? No, Mugabe was a great leader. Yeah, who is your role model right now? Okay, right now. Um, from uh, I, 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 had, um, I had three people that I was very close to, mm -hmm. if I might say. The late Doug Mazzi. Oh. Uh, I, I love Doug as a brother. The late uh, parents, Shiri. And I have a lot of respect for Shingai Mdasa. What, um, what a man. Humble and uh, always make time for me. Whenever I have a problem, I go to him. He's a good man. would you recommend to our book-loving audience out there, Timber? Three books or so? But Think Like a Leader mm. by Yuanda Shana. Okay. Very interesting one. The White House, uh, Michelle and Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Education Systems in Zimbabwe by Jabangwe, Professor Jabangwe Simbi, mm -hmm. who's the pro-vice-chancellor of the University of uh, the Chinoy University of Technology. Mm. An amazing read, though. So I've never wanted to be a loser. I'm always positive, so I think like a winner. And The White House by uh, Michelle and um, Barack Obama is interesting mm. how people can end up there and talk about it mm. and, uh, and uh, you know, find themselves there, especially, you know, as black people. You know, that's inspirational. And this one by... Uh, uh, the Education Systems by Professor Jawangu Simbi is interesting. It talks about the Zimbabwean education system being a poor vice chancellor. Mm. Makes it even better because he's been an academic yeah. and so forth. Mm. So we have something to offer people. It's our education system, mm. which they can all copy. You can see with the number of technocrats, corporate leaders we have worldwide, they are, they are Zimbabweans Fantastic. because of our good education system. Mzuguru, yes. you have not disappointed. Thank you. You, Thank you. you, are, you are candid, you are honest. Yes. Um, but the thing with people who are honest and candid is that they get into trouble quite a lot. Because <laughs> particularly in Zimbabwe, people don't like people who tell the truth. Um, they will always be throwing stones at you. But, uh, you know, and thank you for... Uh, you know, uh, owning up and saying, hey, if the opportunity comes to be a president, I'm ready for it. So thank you so much for creating the time to be on the show. We wish you all the very best. We watch your, um, your political career uh, and your courage to, to take on anybody on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, more strength to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Allow me to turn to our viewers who are all over the world who follow this show on a weekly basis. Remember, we are out every Monday, 7 a.m. Central African time on YouTube. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations like the one I've had with my Mzukuru here, please click on this 
uh, subscribe button, um, share, and like. We have also gone a step further and created, uh, put all podcasts of all the conversations on our website for your listening pleasure. Click on the links for your listening pleasure to those podcasts. Until next time, cheers to you all. Thank you.